Amen. So, uh, well, you know, uh, we are this week on part five of our faith series called Faith Is. And we've been just breaking it down each week, seeing different elements of what our faith is. We've seen how uh, faith is peace, is full of the peace of God. Faith is stable. Faith is full of joy. We've seen so many different things. And, and truthfully, I, I had a full message that I, I had planned on for tonight, you know, all week long. thought this is what I was going to go with. And then this morning, um, God gave me a, a different route to go with this same series. And it's funny because God kind of gave my dad a word this morning um, about love and forgiveness. If, if you weren't here, it was, I mean, it was a very pointed, powerful word. And uh, ironically, it's, it's exactly what God kind of told me to do tonight. And we have not talked to each other at all. I told my dad five minutes ago, hey, uh, that's what God told me to. So it's what we're going to talk about. And, uh, and truthfully, you're like, well, that's, that's, you're talking about faith. And this, is, you know, this, this word's about love. Well, they go together more than anything you could possibly imagine. Faith and love, uh, as you'll see, they don't work without each other. If you don't have love and forgiveness, your faith d- it doesn't work. And, uh, and so it, it's kind of a secret ingredient, I guess you could say. Love is kind of the secret ingredient of faith because there's so many obvious things, you know, about faith that anybody would know. Well, you know, faith is believing. Yeah, absolutely. Faith is trusting in the impossible. Yes, it's all those things. But most people don't realize how crucial this component and this ingredient is of Faith. And I was thinking about it, you know, in, in high school I had this, this job, I worked at this fried chicken restaurant, and you know, I, there's a point to this story, I promise, but, but I worked there for several, you know, several years in high school, and they promoted me to being the guy that got to do the marinating, and you're like, that sounds like a promotion? Yeah, a big promotion, you know, I left the fryers for a couple hours in the morning to marinate gizzards and stuff, and so... Here I am, and, and, and I mean, I took Jesse Garcia to my old, my old chicken shack out there in Indiana, and Jesse, was it not the bomb.com? Thank you, all right, so Jesse confirms this is the best chicken in the world. But the truth of the matter is this, is that uh, in marinating, they're, they're, I, I, they, they just gave me all these spices and, you know, just measure out and do all this, but there's, there's a mixture of a couple of spices that... Just the uh, just the, the the spices there before you pour them into the water. The, the smell is so strong. It's not a bad smell. It's just so powerful that if you would just go up and take a whiff of this stuff together, I mean, it would knock you to the floor almost. You couldn't breathe. I have no idea what these spices were because they wouldn't tell me. They're like, just listen. The chicken won't work unless you put these in. Just trust us. You don't need to know what it is. Just trust us. Put this together and you'll have amazing chicken. So I just did it. But that was the secret ingredient that made this stuff work. And when it comes to your faith, oftentimes you're, again, you're focusing on, well, I've got to trust, I've got to believe, I've got to not waver, I've got to, I've got to do this and that and this. And you don't realize that, I mean, the most critical ingredient to it all is walking in love and forgiveness. And so I want to pray, and then I, we've got some great stuff to look at tonight that can absolutely be the difference maker in your prayers and in, in, and in the, your faith fight that you're going through, all right? So let's pray, and let's get into the Word of God. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, uh, again, that we have a church to worship you in, that we have a family to, that we can be surrounded with that, that loves us, Lord. 
And God, I pray tonight that as we open our hearts and our minds to your word, that you'll speak to us. Lord, you know what we need to hear. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that you will absolutely have your way tonight and change us for the better. And Lord, if we need to be corrected, do it to us. If we need to be disciplined tonight, do it to us because you said that you discipline those that you love. And so I I just pray you speak to any of us tonight, Lord, every single person here in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the first point tonight is this. Number one is that faith works by love. Faith works by love. And that's not just, you know, a clever thing I came up with. It's actually in the Bible. And so I want to show you Galatians 5, verse 6. Galatians 5, verse 6 in the King James Version. Galatians 5, verse 6. It's awfully quiet in this church. We're going to turn over to Galatians 5, 6 tonight. Jeez. I mean, I tell you what, the Presbyterians love this sermon when I preach it over there. And you guys are all quiet. I'm like, jeez. I'm kidding. Galatians 5, 6. But it says this. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So he's saying, you know, there's arguments back then. He's circumcised, uncircumcised. Well, he said, that doesn't matter anything, okay? Get over that. That doesn't matter for anything, that argument. What matters is this, faith which works by love. And so I can tell you this right now. I mean, just you could just simply, you could put this together. You don't even have to be that smart to do this, okay? How do your prayers get answered? Well, obviously by God, but by faith, right? So faith is kind of like putting gas in the car, okay? And so if faith works by love and you're a little hater and, a, you know, a meanie and, and an unforgiver, your faith's not going to work. And then, boom, just keep doing the math here. Your prayers are not going to get answered, right? That's like someone, you could have the most brilliant sports car in the world, you know, living here right on the 15. I see some incredible, you know, Lamborghinis and stuff that I never saw out in the cornfields of Indiana. I never dreamed I'd see these million dollar cars that I've seen out here. It's crazy. But you could have even this incredible million dollar car and it still takes fuel. I mean, my first car was a 1980 Chevette that I paid $300 for. And even though there was a hunk of junk, it still ran. And so I'm telling you, if I have gas in my Chevette and the Lamborghini has no gas, it doesn't matter all the features and the engine that thing has, cars worketh by fuel. Faith worketh by love. And if you don't got nothing in the tank, you're not going anywhere, man. Anybody can beat you. You're just sitting there stuck. And so there's a lot of people that they're sitting there stuck, spinning their wheels, praying, praying, oh, Lord Jesus, who stole my hand, who stole my hand, just praying, praying, praying. I mean, maybe for years, nothing's happening. They're stuck because there's nothing in the tank. They don't got any fuel in there. Faith works by love. And they are stuck in a rut and they are not going anywhere. And it's a sad thing to look at. I'm not making fun. I feel sorry for that situation. It's sad. And and listen to me. Don't let that be you. If you're walking in unforgiveness, there's just no way that God's going to come in and pour out the blessings and answer all your prayers. It doesn't work that way. You're disobeying the Bible. You don't just get to make up your own rules in your own way. Well, I know it says that, but I'll tell you what. This guy is a jerk. You know, man, no, you don't get to write it your own way. Do it your own way. No, 
faith works by love, and we're going to see some, I mean, really great verses here tonight that kind of get rid of any excuses that we have, all right? And, you know, we will say this, that, I mean, just the dumbest thing that a Christian could do is, is, uh, is try to retaliate against somebody that's wronged you. I mean, good God. And, you know, and, and yet we still see people do that. Well, uh, you know, I'll, hey, I don't get mad. I get even. I'll tell you what. They can do that to him, not to me. Uh-uh. I'm serious. Like, man, you don't get it. You do not retaliate. You know, and uh, it specifically says about Jesus in Isaiah 53, you know, he's being led as a sheep to the slaughter. He was insulted. He was punished. He was mocked. And it says, but he didn't retaliate. He didn't try to make things even, even though he was right. He didn't try to say, I'll, 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 I'll take this, but I just want you to know I'm right. You know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, I'll get back and I'm going to get back at you guys. No, it says he didn't say a word. He left his hands, his case in the hands of God who judges fairly is what exactly what it says. And so there's just way too much unforgiveness and, 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 uh, and not walking in love. And this is one of the, just the absolute most fundamental things of Christianity right here. I mean, I'm happy if you're a tither and all that stuff, but you need to walk in love even before that. I'm happy if you come to church, that's great, but you need to love and forgive even before that. I'm happy if you can speak in tongues, that's awesome. I'm happy if you can prophesy, I'm happy if you can, all these great things. But First Corinthians uh, 13 says, you know, I can speak with the tongues of angels and, and men, listen, you can do all these things. If I prophesy, that's great, but if I don't have love, I have nothing. And so this is an absolute critical thing for us to do. And so, yes, as Christians, we don't retaliate when we're wronged. And this goes against every natural instinct that you were born with. Because as a human being, you just it's, it's not your fault. It's your instincts tell you when somebody does something to you, you've got to strike back. But you don't just want to strike back, you know, like they hit you once, you've got to hit them twice, you know. You've got to prove a point that you're manly or you've got to prove a point that you don't take that. You can run over other people, you don't run over me. Uh-uh. Listen, that's what your human nature tells you to do. But Jesus comes in and says, I'm telling you to do something completely different. It's going to go against everything you've ever heard. I'm telling you, if somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn the other cheek also. Someone says, carry my stuff for a mile. I'm telling you right now, carry it two miles. Jesus said this. And, and, I mean, it just goes against everything that is bred within us, but to the people that will actually obey this. To the people that will actually love like Jesus says to love, he says, man, they get it. I can use this person right here. And, I, and I'm going to bless them for it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bless them for doing this. I'm, I'm going to use them because I can trust them. They, they care more about what I say than how they feel. They care more about the word of God than their own feelings and their own rights. And, you know, when we say, well, I have rights, too. Well, I'm getting ready to show you that, that, that yeah, you do, but that doesn't matter. And so um, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm going to read this in the classic amplified version. So you need to know that there's a difference between human love and God's love. And so often, you know, we're, we're, I'm talking about love and you're like, oh, okay, I get it, love. Well, no, you, you understand human love, but you probably don't understand God's love. They are two just totally different things, not even close to being the same thing. 
So, yes, we understand love in the sense of we know the love of a parent. We know the love of, you know, your husband or wife, the love of, you know, we even use the word love. You know, I, I love I love the my football team. I, I just love enchiladas. I love, you know, whatever. And yes, I but see that we don't get it. We don't understand love truly because we say stuff like that. I say stuff like that. You know, I told everybody I love enchiladas. I got enchiladas like four nights last week. And it was awesome. It was great. Everyone's bringing us meals, and it just kept getting better. It was great. But, you know, I, I love that stuff, but do I really love it, un, you know, unconditionally, like the love of God? No, I like it a lot, but I don't love it like I said I did. And so just understand this, that there's a difference between what you're picturing as human love and God's love, because God's love is unconditional, It says, you may have wronged me, but I still love you, and I'm not going to change the way that I treat you. I'm going to love you anyway. You were mean to me, I'm going to be nice to you. You said nasty things about me, I'm going to go say nice things about you. And again, that just goes against everything inside of us, but it's the God kind of love. And so, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, I'm going to read all these verses in the Amplified Classic translation, and then I'm going to, we're going to explain them. But uh, verse 4, it says, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude. Wow, I know a lot of rude people. Uh, Unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights. Oh, or its own way. Oh, wow. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. I know a lot of real touchy people, man. They're just moody and crabby. And oh, man, that's not the God kind of love. No, it says it takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Wow. That's the God kind of, because human love, it pays a lot of attention to a suffered wrong. He said, oh, I'll remember, you just wait. I'll remember this, and I will get even. Ugh, that's dumb. But verse, verse 6, it says, It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Look at this. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. And so as we're looking at this, you know, there's just so much stuff here. I mean, that's like a 20-part sermon series in itself, those those few verses there. But, you know, I'm I'm looking at, you know, at human love versus God's love. And I got to say, you know, I've had people treat me wrong. Everybody has. And I, I've treated other people wrong. And, uh, and you know, there's just some people, it's like, man, I know that I'm supposed to love them and forgive them, but they just do this to me all the time. They just really get under my skin. And, and so, you know, if they treated me better, if they treated me nice, I would, I would act differently to them. So who, who could say that, yeah, if this person treated me better, I would treat them better. Anybody? You know what I mean? Anyone? All right. If they, if they treated me better, I would treat them better. Okay, how about this one? 
How about this? How about if my boss at work showed me a little more respect, if he treated me better, if my boss gave me a little appreciation and at least recognized what I do for that place, I'd probably work a little bit harder around there. I'd give him a little bit more. Anybody? Okay. Well, I'll say this right now. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, all of us are this way, but that's human thinking. That's human love. To say, I'd treat them better if they treated me better. And to get down to it as a Christian, that's wrong. To say, if they treated me better, I'd treat them better. If they were nice to me, I'd be nice to them. If my boss did this for me, I'd, I'd work a lot harder for him. Well, we're supposed to work as under the Lord, no matter if our boss ever says good job. No matter if he's a jerk, you're supposed to work for, as a, to God, not to people. Okay? And, and, and so, let's break down this list a little bit here. But listen, we, how people treat us should not change how we treat them. And again, that sounds like that is the dumbest thing you have ever said, Pastor Dave. That is stupid. Well, it's, it's the Bible. How other people, I should treat you nice as a Christian, whether you are ever nice to me. If you are mean to me every single day. Now listen, if you slap me every day that I walk through the door, I'm going to pick a different door tomorrow. You know what I mean? It's going to take a while to earn my trust back. But I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to, you know, look for ways to attack you even worse. You know, but, but, uh, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm going to still be nice to you when I have the chance. And I'm seriously, I am. Uh, but I'm not going to let you keep punching me. I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to duck or something. But, but I love you. I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to leave this church. I don't want something bad to happen to you. That's pathetic. All right, so let's look at that. We'll break it down a little bit. It says, love endures long and is patient and kind. So you may be enduring long, but are you being patient and kind while you're doing it? You may say, oh, yeah, I put up with them for years. Well, have you been complaining the whole time? And they're like, no, they're such rats. You know, are you being patient and kind while you're doing it? Just saying, then it doesn't count. You may have put up with them for a long time, but if you've been complaining about it the whole time and, and talking bad about it, then it doesn't count. You're not obeying it. And again, all oh, that sounds really harsh. Yeah, this is really harsh to read, but I didn't write it. God did. I didn't make this stuff up. I would have picked something better to say. I would have said, man, they hit you, hit them twice. They, they, they talk bad about you. You get on there right then and post something really mean about them. You know, that's, that's human thinking. But no, God's ways are different. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And thank God. Because when we do things our own way, we pay the price for it, man. And there's a price to pay. So love endures long, but it's patient and kind while it's enduring long. You know, we need to be kind. And, and if someone, you know, you, is there someone you don't like and they're, they're still being mean to you, man, I say you just go out of, out of your way to do something nice to them. Uh, that, again, that sounds really mean. I've done this, man. Somebody that's just treated me like trash, I'll go out and buy them a present and don't think that I won't. I will buy you something. I will drop some money on you and I will show up and surprise you with an apple pie or something. But I'll do it. And, and, and you know, that sounds like the dumbest thing ever. I don't care. And, you know, and the book of Proverbs says that when you treat somebody in a loving way that's been really mean to you, it, it embarrasses them. It makes them think twice. It, it, it brings them to shame. And so that's the best way to handle it, you know, someone being mean to you. But, yeah, if you get really mean with me, I, absolutely, I will give you something. I will bless you in some way because that's what the Bible says to do. And so I want to look at, at, at verse 5 of this chapter here. Verse 5 
Um, it says, it is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It is not rude. It is not rude. Don't treat people rude even if they deserve it. Have mercy on people. And some people deserve it. But we're not going off of what they deserve. Because we're being merciful, right? Jesus told us to be merciful. Show mercy. And so mercy is not doing to somebody what they deserve. And thank you, Jesus, that he doesn't do to us what we deserve. Do you know what we... I mean, I, I don't know you, but I deserve some, you know, I deserve a little judgment. I deserve, <laughs> you know, if Jesus did to me what I deserve, yeah, I probably would have been gone a long time ago. There'd be no Pastor Dave here. There'd be, you know, I don't, I don't know where I'd be. But if we all got what we deserved from Jesus, what we truly deserve, because you do not deserve to go to heaven. That's the grace of God. That's a gift from God. You're not good enough to get up there. None of us are. You don't deserve the healing that Jesus has given you. You don't deserve the things he's blessed you with. If you earned it all, then you didn't need Jesus. You're good enough on your own. I mean, hey, you're good enough. But you're not. And so it says to, to, to not treat people rude, even, even though they may deserve it. And listen, some people deserve some things that, that, that you could do to them. But you deserve a lot worse from Jesus. Because he forgave you when you didn't deserve it, and then you went and did something dumb all over again. Then he forgave you again. And then you went and two days later did something stupid again. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. Then he forgave you for the thousandth time, and yet again you went and did something stupid again. You yelled at somebody. You cursed at somebody. You got mad at your wife. You know, you, 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 you cut somebody off. You, you held up the naughty finger. You, you ate too much food. You stayed up too late. You skipped church. You didn't tithe. You blah. There's so many things that we do, and Jesus forgives us. And I can guarantee you this. The person that you do not like... Jesus has had to forgive you more times than you've had to forgive them. You've done more wrong to Jesus than they've done wrong to you. And yet, again and again, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He keeps coming through. He says, all right, I forgive you. And and in fact, when Jesus forgives, he forgets. He says, I'll cast your sins out as far as the east is from the west. Isaiah says, hey, I'll blot out your transgressions for my sake, and I'm not even going to remember them anymore. And so Jesus forgives and forgets. He's our example. So anyway, uh, so the love of God is not rude. It says it does not insist on its own rights or its own way. And again, so many people, well, I have rights and I'm going to I'm going to demand them. And I mean, you know, and a certain to a certain extent and in some areas you have rights in different ways. But when we're talking about the love of God, it says it does not insist on its own rights. It doesn't say you don't have any rights. It just says it doesn't insist on them and it doesn't demand its own way. And I know a lot of people like you do it my way or I'll quit. Tell you right now, you, you do this my way or I'll, I'll walk out of this job. Don't think that I won't. You kidding me? How pathetic. You know, you, you, hey, you, you say you do, do what I want to do. You, you have it my way or I'm out of here, man. Don't think I won't. I'll, I'll get out of here and I'm stubborn enough to do it. You just ask anybody else. I'm like, dear God, what is wrong with you? The love of God does not insist on its own rights. It does not demand its own way. And then one of my favorite parts of this whole chapter, it says it's not touchy or fretful or resentful. 
you know anybody that's just real touchy? You're like, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't know if I want to go talk to them. They're just always they're so touchy. Anything you say can offend them. You don't. You, you know you got to walk on eggshells around them. You don't know. Well, I can't talk about this topic. They they get offended. I, I can't say this. They may take it the wrong way. I, I don't want to. I don't want to drink this soda because I think that may offend them. It comes in a yellow can. I I I, I don't. I mean, there's people offended over the dumbest stuff. They're touchy, they're fretful, and they're really resentful. They will resent you for things that happened, I mean, long ago. That's not the love of God. And we all have opportunities. We all have opportunities to be touchy, fretful, or resentful. See, just an hour ago, I was back there drinking a bottled water. Monica comes up and hits the hand that the water's in. <laughs> I told you I'd call you out. She didn't mean it though, so I'm just I'm, I'm putting her on. I'm standing there drinking a bottle of water. She's like, "Hey, Pastor Dave." <laughs> so I said, "This is the perfect example for tonight." Did I get mad? Oh yeah, I have rights. No, I didn't get mad, but and then she hit me. So so anyway, uh, but she was she says she was trying to tell me how excited she was to hear the sermon tonight, and that's good. I appreciate that. But, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm just joking with her. But, but there are just some people, though, something silly like that can happen. Oh, they, they said they were wanting to hear the preaching. I know what they meant. That meant they didn't want to hear the preaching. Yeah. And I mean, you just read into things. You know what I mean? You read into things, and it's just so stupid how people behave. All right? But the love of God, it's not touchy, fretful, or resentful. Then it says it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Are you kidding me? I paid no attention to a suffered wrong. Somebody does you wrong and you're like, yeah, it's all right. I don't, I don't care. Don't even notice. I'm just keep going about my business, living my life, man, worshiping the Lord, doing my thing. And some people, man, they didn't pay attention to any suffered wrong and some things that they didn't even suffer wrong. They just get offended about, well, so-and-so is offended, so I'm going to be mad too. Just, hey. It's what I do. And, and I mean, just some people, they just get mad about anything and everything. And it says right here that the love of God, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. So, uh, you know, if, if you're changing the way that you treat me because I did something rude to you, then you're paying attention to a suffered wrong. And again, I mean, this sounds so outlandishly crazy. Like, well, certainly it couldn't mean that, Pastor Dave. Hey, I, it's what it says. Am I guilty of changing my behavior towards people that have been rude to me? Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Have I worked harder for bosses that have been really nice to me and given me compliments all the time than bosses that were rude? Yeah, I have, but I shouldn't have. I should have just been doing that job for the Lord, not for, you know, that boss. You know, I I should have been, you know, being nice to that person, not because of how nice they were to me, just because the Bible says to treat other people how you'd want to be treated. And if I don't want people to be rude to me, even if they already are being rude, I, I still need to be nice back to them. And it goes against everything within my being because my my body and my soul says, no, be mean to them. They deserve it. You know what they did to you. You know what they said. Get back at them now. And listen, that is not the love of God. If you want to retaliate, if you want to just take everything into your own hands, then that's fine. But just keep in mind, the battle's not the Lord's anymore. Now it's yours. You're taking the battle, the spiritual battle, out of God's hands and saying, I know, it, God, you said to do it this way, but no. I can handle it my own way. Let's do this. I, I, I got this. this is, I'm going to do it my way. And listen, you do not 
want to fight any battles your own way. King David said the battle is the Lord. What if David, when he fought Goliath, decided to not let the battle be the Lord's? What if David went against Goliath in his own strength and in his own way? That little kid would have got massacred. I'm serious. There's no way in his own strength and his own ability that he could have beat Goliath. God won that battle. David did. God made that happen. And so don't take the battle out of God's hands, the battles the Lord's, and take it into your own hands. No, I'll handle this. They're not going to say that to me again. I know what to do. Don't do that. Because you're on your own at that point, And whatever happens to you, happens to you. And I, I don't know. No guarantees that you're going to make it through. I have no idea what's going to happen to you at that point. But I can tell you this, that God's not on your side at that point. You're on your own. And I don't want to fight any battles on my own. All right, verse 7 of that chapter, it says it bears up under anything and everything. So it says that God's love doesn't give up on somebody. The love of God, it doesn't give up on somebody. Now, again, you know, that's not, we have wisdom and, and you know, I'm not going to, I'm always going to love you. I may not trust you if you keep, you know, doing crazy stuff to me all the time, but I'm still going to love you. I'm not going to quit praying for you and I'm not going to quit being nice to you. The love of God doesn't give up on people. I will still be nice to you and I will still pray for you and I will still ask God to bring you into, a, you know, a right place with him. But the love of God, it bears up under anything and everything. It says it endures everything without weakening. And it says it believes the best of every person. And this is, this is a major thing that I think we need to get. Verse 7 right there, it says, The love of God believes the best of every person. And it's really easy to read in to somebody's comments and say, Oh, I know what they meant right there. No. And don't, don't, don't go that route. Choose to believe the best. And what I've had to do, especially, you know, in our day and age of, of text messaging, there's a lot of times someone may message me something and it sounds really rude or something. But then later on I thought, oh, no, you know, they, they didn't mean it that way. Just, if you read it. And, and when you can't even hear somebody's voice and you're communicating with them, you can read into all kinds of crazy things. But the love of God believes the best of every person. So there's been a lot of times where somebody's maybe said something or done something. And I mean, I'm like, oh, man, they've got some nerve. But if you want to do it God's way, and this is what I've done many times, say, you know what? It sounded like that. But I'm going to choose to believe they didn't really mean it in that tone. I'm going to choose to believe, and you could be sitting there saying, man, you're just one ignorant fool. You're, you're oblivious. You're, you're, you're a joke. I don't care. I'm going to do it God's way. And so there's been times where someone, I mean, they, maybe they really did mean it, as mean as they said it, or the way they said it. But I'm going to sit here and say, well, I'll bet they didn't really mean it that way. It just kind of came out. Maybe they're just having a bad day. I'm going to choose to believe that they didn't, that, that, that they didn't mean it that way. Because love believes the best of every person. And I want people to believe the best of me if maybe I say something that I, you know, maybe I was just having a bad day or, or maybe I didn't, you know, I was speaking out of emotion. I want people to cut me some slack and choose to believe better of me. And so you need to do that for other people. Choose to believe the best of every person. And so, number one, faith works by love. If you're not walking in love and forgiveness, don't, I mean, don't even bother praying. It sounds so mean to say, but your faith is not going to work. 
faith works by love. Maybe God will, you know, he maybe sprinkle a little mercy for you somewhere, toss a little blessing in your way. I have no idea. But I know this, your faith is not going to work. Faith works by love. And so, number two is this, is that you need to forgive before you pray. You're not really supposed to go praying unless you've forgiven others. And you're like, well, that just sounds really harsh. I, I know it does. It does. Doesn't that just sound like such a bold statement to say? But it's what Jesus said in Mark 11:25. So let's turn over there. Mark 11:25. And again, I've used these ver- Mark 11:22 through 24 many times over the last few weeks. Again, we've got it you know, up there on our uh, stage and everything. Some of our favorite verses around here. You know, you say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. And if you do not doubt, but believe that those things you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say it. But look at verse 25. So Jesus, he makes all these, just in, these incredible life-changing verses. You can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it'll be yours. And just amazing verses but right there, verse 25, and you've got to remember, the Bible was not written in chapter and verse. Mark didn't sit down and say, okay, I think I'll write verse 25 now. No, we divided it up for reference sake years later. So this is all, just read it all together. This is all one big thought, one big sentence. So you shall have whatsoever you say. Okay, then, then, then let's get into verse 25. But then he says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Whoa, anything against anyone, anything against anyone, anything against anyone, no, no more, no less, anything against anyone. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. And so here we are again. We got these Awesome verses about speaking to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. If you believe it, it's going to happen. Verse uh, 24, you pray what sort of things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and ye shall have them. But then he gets right into that next one. Hey, but listen, when you're praying for something, praying for anything, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. So faith worketh by love, Galatians 5, 6. And when you're going to pray, you need who have forgiven anyone of anything they have done to you. That's pretty heavy stuff right there. And I think sometimes we've grown so accustomed to maybe disliking a certain person or, or people. And we've been mad at them for so long that we don't even consider the unforgiveness that we're holding. But again, Jesus said anything against anyone. That just there's not a whole lot of extra room for interpretation there. That's that's pretty much covers anybody for anything. And again, some people they have wronged you. Yes, they have. But Jesus said it. Did, did Jesus say when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone? Well, not anything. I mean, there's a little bit of room for unforgiveness. Maybe if they've done this to you, you can hold on to that. But other than that, anything against anyone? No, he didn't say that. He just flat out said anything against anyone. And if, maybe if you want to write anything down tonight, write this down. Don't justify your unforgiveness. Because we seem to always justify sin. And this is what I'm trying to teach my children at home. 
We always try to justify our actions. Yeah, I know it's wrong. Shouldn't have hit him. But he said this about my mom. And you know me and mama. And listen, don't justify it. There is no reason in the world that you should have hit that guy or whatever it is that you did. Well, I know that I, you know, I, I did say these things. I did. I, I admit it. I did. And I know that's wrong. But I know I did this to her over here. I know I said this about him. But listen, but listen, get your butt out of the way. And get the Bible over there. And that so many people don't justify it. Because as we've seen, we're all going to stand before Jesus someday. We're going to have to, everybody, everybody will stand before Jesus and give an account for their words and for their actions. And I just don't see, I, I, I mean, I haven't been there yet, but I just can't imagine him saying, can you explain why you did this to them? I can't imagine, you know, him asking that and you saying, okay, I did it, but I've got a really good reason why. Wait till you hear this, Jesus. No, he's not going to say, oh, no, it's okay. I, I didn't know that. I mean, <laughs> sorry, I'm Jesus. I know I'll see y'all, but I didn't see that one. That, that one got past me. <laughs> My bad. I'm sorry. No, Jesus knows and sees everything. And there's nothing at all that you're going to be able to get up there and, and say, well, I mean, yeah, I did it. But let me tell you why. And he's not going to say, oh, okay, come, never mind. Forget it. I'm sorry I brought it up. I didn't know that. No, he, he knows. And again, I I do throw this out there that if you've done something and you've asked him for forgiveness, he's not going to bring it up. But a lot of people, especially when it comes to this area, they don't ask for forgiveness ever. They just stay mad about that person and hate them till the day they die. And they never ask for forgiveness. And so, yeah, that is going to get brought up because you didn't you didn't ask Jesus. You didn't repent of it in this life. If there's something you've done wrong, but you've repented of it and you've asked Jesus for forgiveness, he is not going to bring it up when you get to heaven because he won't even know that he won't even remember that it ever happened. But what I am saying is this, is that if you got this ought against somebody and you don't get it right in this life and you never ask for forgiveness about it, it's going to get brought up. And nothing that you're going to be able to say is going to justify it. Now, I'm not, I mean, I'm just not going to keep you out of heaven unless you've just really gone into some crazy hatred route. But, but it is going to get brought up. And, and why, why should that have to happen? Why should you have to have that conversation with Jesus? I don't want it to be that way. All I want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. You did what I needed you to do. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Come on in, man. We've got, a, we've got a mansion prepared for you. Get on in there. The hot wings are on the grill. You go in and have a good time. Get ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be a good one. I mean, that's all I want to hear. I don't want to hear, all right, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, slow down. Whoa, not so fast. I need to talk to you for a minute. I do not want to have that conversation. But there's a lot of people that are going to have it because they, they, they just, they, they're so used to to living this way that they don't think about it. It's just their normal life. They get offended. They get mad. They, they hurt other people all the time. It's just their way of life, so they don't think anything about it. But it's still wrong. <clears throat> and so, again, a lot of people, they try to justify, well, yeah, but this guy's super mean. He's super bad. He says that he's been mean to me for years, and, and it's, I'm just sick of it. I'm tired of it. So, so yeah, I, I, I struck back. I finally did something about it. Listen, it's not going to justify it. And, and so you're thinking, well... Well, 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 I don't know. But let me say this. Jesus would never ask you to do something that he wouldn't do himself, right? 
One of the, my boss at the chicken restaurant told me, I wouldn't ask you to do something I wouldn't do myself. If I ask you to go patch the roof in a tornado, it's because I'll be right there beside you doing it. You know what I mean? And so he would ask me to do some crazy stuff, but it's nothing that he himself wouldn't do. And Jesus would not ask you to do something that he wouldn't do. So why am I saying that? Because nobody's wronged you like they've wronged Jesus. And Jesus, on the cross, as he was dying, as he had blood gushing from everywhere, and I mean, you know, you get the picture, just as he was a bloody, rotten mess hanging there on that cross, what did he say about all these people? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If Jesus, I mean, Jesus could have said anything right there. And in fact, Jesus told Peter, if I wanted, I could ask God to send 12 legions of angels right now and get me out of here. Legion of angels or legion and Roman army is 6,000. So break it down, 12 legions. Jesus basically said, I could get about 72,000 of the angelic host down here right now and get me out of this. But Jesus didn't do that. He just said, Father. Please forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And yet here we are holding stuff against people, trying to think of ways to get back, trying to get the upper hand, trying to get the last word. We're touchy. We're fretful. We're resentful. We get offended. We lash out. No, that's not the way of God. And your faith is crippled and it's not going to work if that's the type of life that we're living it's not going to work. And so I'm going to go on down to point three here. Point number three is this, is that love is how the world can tell you're saved. Love is how the world can tell if you're a Christian. It's by your love. So let's look at John 13, 35. John 13 and verse 35. And Jesus says something remarkable right here. So that, and, and you know, really, if, if there was any one main theme to the Bible, it, the, the, the main theme is love and forgiveness. Old Testament, Genesis, the Revelation, the main theme of the Bible is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The main theme of the Bible is love and forgiveness of, of a God that, that loves his creation so much, even though they've wronged him and some have cursed him and don't believe him and, and all this stuff. But there's still a God that said, no, you know, I, I, I'm going to send my son down there. And, and, and the son of God that loved people enough to say, I'll go, I'll do it, I'll, I'll take this. Even though he, his body was shaking, and he did, I mean, he was so nervous and everything going on. But Jesus said, no, I want to do this. I love these people. Let me do this for them. The same people that are smacking him and kicking him and cursing him and spitting on him. And, and just imagine, it says he didn't say one word but till the end. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. I, I love these people. I've got to do this. I know they hate me, but I love them. I mean, that's love right there. That's what the Bible's all about. But John 13 and verse 35, Jesus himself said, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Wow. Your love. Isn't it, isn't it crazy that Jesus didn't say, If you guys have really, really good worship music, the world will know you're truly my disciples. Yeah. 
you have the nicest church building in all of Barstow, then they'll really know you're really my disciples. If you could just, man, if you guys, if you just have the biggest harvest fest, they'll know you're my disciples. No, he said, your love, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. And so one out of everybody we should love and we should love everybody. But the Bible very specifically says that you should especially love other Christians. You should love everybody, but you should especially love other children of God. And think of how, I mean, how terrible does it look when people look down and, you know, they see, see God's kids fighting with each other. You know how, how embarrassing that is to a parent? You know what I mean? My kids fight and stuff sometimes, but, you know, it's, it's, you ever been in the store and you just see somebody with the kids that are just completely out of control, fighting each other, pushing each other through shelves, knocking stuff down, yelling and screaming and sometimes cursing. And they're just causing a ruckus and everybody's like, God, man, look at those, those parents must be awful. They blame the parents. But think about it this way. When you, as one of God's children, are acting like an idiot... And fighting with your siblings, people look at that and say, I don't want nothing to do with that God. Get me away from that church. Those people are nuts, man. God is love. Those, no, that's how, not, that's how his kids act. You're a reflection of God, your father. You're his children. Your behavior reflects upon him. And if you are nasty and you are mean and rude, rude, mean, touchy, you get offended about everything. We never know what we can say or can't say around you. We never know if you're going to get your feelings hurt. Listen, you're a bad reflection on your dad because he raised you better than that, didn't he? He taught you better than that. And sometimes, you know, you just want to, you know, you want to say, man, boy, I raised you better than that. You know better. You did not learn that from me because I taught you differently than that. And so your heavenly father, he's taught you better than, than the way you're acting. You know better than that. And you're embarrassing him up in heaven. He's saying, man of God, I hope, oh man, I, I, I hope no one sees this right now because I don't want them to think that I'm like that because I'm not. I love people and, and they don't. And, and listen, don't embarrass your dad. Don't fight with your brothers and sisters. And so a quick verse is Galatians. Uh, you, can, you can write this down. They can throw it up on the screen. Galatians 6.10. Galatians 6.10. But listen to this. It says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, but especially to those in the family of faith. Isn't that crazy? It says you should do good for everybody, but especially to those in the family. Especially to those in the family of faith. And so, you, yeah, you should help, you know, people you see hurting on the streets. You should, you know, give to the charity and the food bank. And you should do all these things. But you should especially do good and love and forgive and help those that are of the family of faith. And so, don't fight with your brothers. Don't fight with your sisters. You were raised better than that. You're better than that. Make better choices. Grow up. And so I've just got a, 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 a tiny little list. I, I should have added more to this, but it's a list of things an immature Christian says. A list of things that an immature Christian says. Because they try to excuse their behavior. And, and little kids do this. You'll see this. You know, if you've got kids, grandkids, you'll see, you know, they try to excuse and justify stupid decisions, right? 
you know, well, it seemed like a good idea to jump off the roof with a Superman cape. I really thought I'd fly. I really, th- I'm, I'm as shocked as you are that I broke my leg, honest to God. And, you know, and, 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 you know, just things, they just don't quite register with them. And so, a few things that uh, immature Christians say is this, well, they started it. Are you serious? <laughs> People say this to me. I, oh, yeah, I can't stand them, but they started it. They did it to me first. That's why. That's why we are where we are today, because they started this whole thing. All right. Number two, you should have heard what they said to me first. My kids say stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah, I clocked him, but man, he called me a poopy head. So I had to. I had to, Dad. I had to. Anybody else, your kid, you know, you're like, why would you do that to your sister? Well, you know, why would you cut Barbie's head off? Well, she she stabbed G.I. Joe. I had to do it. No, you didn't. No. I, I, did, I can't look past that. I still have to punish you because I was stupid and wrong and you did it. So never, never say, well, you should have seen what they did to me first. I'm not buying that. And neither is Jesus. I'll forgive, but I will never forget. Why? And yes, I've heard these things. Yes. From church people. I'll, okay, fine. I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. Then it, it's not really forgiveness then. You're still holding it over their head. Love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Yes, I'm, yes, I am, uh, you know, and to forget, I mean, yes, I'm cognizant of the fact that the person did, did, yes, I'm aware that it happened, but I'm not dwelling on it. I'm not thinking about it. I'm just going to get it out of my mind as best I can and and try to forget about it and and forget about it. Okay? I'm not denying that the person did something to me, but I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to let it go. Love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. But to say something as dumb as, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget, that's immaturity, that you're a three-year-old, you're whatever, you're pooping your pants, but that is, that is dumb. I don't get mad, I get even. <sighs> I mean, the things that people say, well, they can do that to them, but no, no one does that to me, I'm different. No. Man, don't let that be you. That is immaturity. And don't expect God to answer your prayers because it's not happening for you. Your faith is paralyzed. You've got nothing in the gas tank. And so the last thing, just the last verse, I mean, again, we could just go on for hours about this. And I don't, am I boring you or are we good? Okay. Last verse, 1 John 4. 1 John 4, verses 20 through 21. John was called the love apostle because he talked about love. I mean, you read... The Gospel of John, okay, it talks about love all through there, John 3.16, John 13.35. But then if you read his epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, they're all about love too. And so 1st John 4, verses 20 and 21. 1st John 4, verses 20 and 21. So the world will know you're a Christian, not by your, your awesome Christian music, not by, you know, your great inspirational Bible verse tattoo. That, no, that doesn't prove nothing to anybody. No. The world will know you're one of his disciples by your love for other Christians. First John 4, verses 20 through 21. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. Wow. Oh, yeah, I love God. 
I just don't love you. I love God, but I hate you. You're a liar. You don't love God. You're a liar. You don't love God. No. Why? Well, let's see this. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we can't see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. That's a command from God. If you love God, you got to love his kids too. I don't care how much you love me and treat me nice and shower me with gifts and compliments. If you're mean to my kids, you're being mean to me and I don't like you. I don't care if you give me money and bake me enchiladas and give me apple pie and cheesecake. Every time you see me, if you're mean to my kids, I don't like you. And I take it personally. You know what I mean? And that's exactly what God's saying. Right here, man. Don't, don't, don't fool. You can't fool God. You can't mock God. Man, don't lie. Don't waste his time and worship. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I lift your name on high. Oh, here I am to worship you, Lord. And then you get out of the church and, man, just wait till this is over. Don't meet me in the parking lot when this is done. I, I'm tell you, man. Good Lord. No. And so if you say you love God, but you hate another human being, especially one of his kids, you're a big fat liar. You don't love God because you can't see him. If you can't even love people that you can see, you can't love God who you can't see. Don't fool him. Don't fool me. Don't, don't waste my time. Don't waste the church's time. Don't waste God's time. You're a liar. And no, you don't love God. Not at all. Because if you don't love his children, you don't love him. You don't treat his kids right. You're not treating him right. Think about that. When you treat his kids wrong, when you treat your Christian brothers and sisters wrong, you're treating God wrong. And then you want to pray, oh, God, I know, listen, I, I need this new job so bad. I need, I need this $1,000 by Friday, Lord. Just get it to me. And he's sitting there, you kidding me? Man, are you kidding me? No. I heard what you said to that guy over there. I, I, I see what you're, I see how you're treating people. I'm going to shower money on you. Are you kidding me? No. Faith works by love. I'm not going to obey my word. Because, you know, we all say, well, God can do anything. Well, that's nice to say, but truthfully, God can't do anything. Or can't do everything. Excuse me. God can't do everything. And that sounds blasphemous to say, but, it, but it's true. God cannot lie. The Bible says, Titus 1-2, says God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. So that's one thing God can't do. And another thing he can't do is... He, he will not go back on his word. His word will not return to him void. He will not disobey the scriptures just be, for you because he likes you extra or something. If it says faith works by love, that doesn't apply to, you know, seven billion people, but you're the one exemption. No, God doesn't get you away out of it. You still have to obey the Bible. God will not go back on his word. God's not a liar. His word will not return to him void. No, it's not going to happen. And so I just want to challenge us with this tonight as we close out. It's this, is that faith is not going to work without love. If you, if you, especially if you're in a situation where you need prayers answered, what, if I were you, I would go and make amends with anybody that I have anything against. And I do it now. One time I was in a situation, I needed prayer answered, I needed it now. And then I just, God brought it to me, man, you've got a bunch of people that, that you've got unforgiveness against. And there were people that, had genuinely wronged me, but that didn't matter. I was still, I, I still needed to forgive them. Owe no man anything but to love them, it says in Romans. And so, I, what, what did I do? I went down to Walmart. I bought a big box 
of beautiful cards. They were blank on the inside, just pretty pictures on the outside. Bought a book of stamps, started filling out cards. I love you. Would you forgive me for being, you know, for being rude to you? And I mean, even I, I just put them all in the mailbox and mailed them. And guess what? Not a single person ever spoke to me even after that. But that's okay. I wasn't doing it. You know, so, so to, to, you know, I, I was doing it because it's what the Word of God says to do. And I'm telling you what, my faith after that, it worked great, man. Prayers got answered, things happened, things started moving. But faith will not work if you're holding unforgiveness and love. And I say that because I love you and I want to see your prayers get answered. Faith works by love. Amen. All right. Stop there.